I have the honor to introduce our guest speaker here today. Her name is Michelle Rickett. She is the founder of She Is Safe Ministries. Uh, Her and her husband, Daniel, have served overseas in Africa. They now live in the dangerous place of Atlanta, Georgia, (laughs) which it is. There's a lot of ice there. It's not easy at this time of year. Um, But they've come to us from there to share an incredible message. We've had the opportunity to partner with Michelle and her ministry for years now. And so we get to hear some of the fruit of that partnership here today. Very honored to have her. She's an author of three books. You can even check them out in the lobby uh, after our service. And so we are are privileged to have her with us. So as she comes up, I want you to watch the screens and learn a little bit more about She is Safe. In least reached places, a dark and godless view of girls rises up to destroy them. Girls are considered a burden, not even worthy of the food they consume. But when people begin to pray and intervene, light begins to shine on a pathway to freedom for her. For over 15 years, She Is Safe has intervened with local partners to light the way and eliminate the ready supply of girls from high-risk communities. We seek to transform a godless mindset about girls into a God's eye view of their priceless worth. This year alone, 17,000 women and children in dangerous communities were empowered with anti-trafficking, justice, and health information, coupled with income-generating alternatives to selling their daughters. In our prevention work, we focus on mothers and school children in the She Is Safe Transformation Program, women gain skills, create a group saving and lending pool, and launch out with our business training, keeping their daughters safe and in school. In Nepal, our goat farming initiative means that 13-year-old girls who were going to be sold to traffickers are now safe, helping with the family goat farm and taking vocational training classes. We strengthen the local women to press back the darkness of human trafficking. Our vocational training for at-risk Syrian refugee girls means that they can avoid being forced into child marriage in order to survive. They can learn, they can grow just as the girls we know should grow. Ultimately, they can sustain themselves. Girls in the garbage dump communities of Myanmar are easy prey for traffickers who are in the lucrative business of supplying the demand for brides and sex slaves in China, a land without enough girls. She is Safe Partners provide a safe place where girls can work on their studies or learn a skill instead of picking through trash where traffickers troll. Indonesian school children practice our 10 tips to safety, receive a hotline for help, school supplies, and other things for little girls. In Mali and South Sudan, displaced women cling together in the Shia Save Transformation Groups where they grow businesses to sustain themselves and their children while conflict and terrorism swirl around them. Such prevention 
is the most effective and strategic work that we can do to prevent girls from ever having to suffer the horrors of abuse and exploitation. Our rescue and restoration programs go hand in hand. If our local partners usher a girl out of a brothel or nightclub, she needs a safe place to go, time to heal, gain a new vocational path, and meet the God who loves her. If she is a little girl, she needs for us to cover school fees, medical expenses, and daily care until she is an adult, ready to make her contributions in life. When she is saved, she will shine. She will change her family and the next generation of boys and girls. She will light the way for others to be free, to become people God created them to be. Add your light to She is Safe and overcome the darkness of abuse and slavery. Wow, I'm so happy to see you all again. Uh, I've been excited, praying for you even before I got here, all the things that you were going through. Uh, what a privilege to be a part of the Calvary Church outreach for the Lord Jesus Christ because of his great love for you and me, what he's allowed us to do together. Um, I am here to thank you. Thank you on behalf of all of the women and girls that you have introduced to the Lord Jesus and to a whole new way of living in his dignity and in a sense of purpose about their life and calling. I am uh, looking forward to just these uh, few moments that we have together to kind of take you on the journey with She is Safe. Some of you, um, She is Safe may be relatively new to you, and I just wanted you to see the 15-year journey that we have been on together. What a privilege it's been to partner with you and to know that you are praying, that you are arm in arm with us in some of the hardest places of the world for those who are least reached, most despised and rejected on the face of the earth. Well, just as a primer, a little bit of a reminder, um, She is Safe began because of the life calling that my husband Daniel and I were on. We have a focus on those um, who are most likely to be enslaved around the world. That calling has sent us to partner together with God's people in some of these very difficult locations. Um, it takes a lot of people. It's not just one or two missionaries, but it's all the people who are praying here. But um, you have helped us to multiply the workers around the world. You see pictured here at the bottom of the screen, a lot of those workers, uh, there are about 25 staff members and board members with She is Safe, and they're scattered all about, but they're in the headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. We have about eight staff members, and all with this same mission to prevent, rescue, restore women and girls from abuse and slavery 
in the highest risk communities across the globe, and then equip them to live lives of freedom and faith for a strong future. She is safe and began uh, with this mission to look at where where are these things most likely to happen? And as it turns out, it is, of course, among those least reached with the gospel. We started as a young missionary family, just like the family that stood up here. Uh, this was uh, uh, the photo of our family. It was just before we left for East Africa in the mid-1980s. So that was a long time ago. Our daughters were one and three years old, and now they're pictured in the screen. You have to meet our grandchildren, um, Hanu and Ula. They're with us. Um, our daughters still talk about our time living in East Africa, what a formative time it was in their lives, and how God opened our eyes to things I wasn't expecting to learn. My job was to you know, support my husband in his role as Africa director, to raise our children in a foreign country, to provide hospitality, and, and do what I could. But what I began to see was something I had never heard of before, and it was a very targeted abuse um, and slavery for women and girls that girls were often kept home from school to work, marry, or be sold. And it just broke my heart. I knew that there was a point in my life when I felt despised and rejected as a child and was wonderfully rescued out of that darkness and given a sense of purpose and calling. And I knew that's what God was introducing me to for women and girls in the hard places. And so we began uh, to share with people back home some of the things that we were learning there. And the more that we learned, the more we were able to share, the more information was coming out. You know, when you and I hear the cry of a baby girl, we're so excited. We shout, oh, it's a girl. But in the least reached places of the world, we are told that those are the most dangerous words for that girl. People often say, oh no, it's a girl. She's going to mean a burden on our family. And so because of that mentality among those who do not know the Lord, uh, it's become very dangerous for girls. We're told that there are 200 million girls who should be walking the earth today who have been murdered through sex-selective abortion or infanticide, the killing of infant girls. These are very hard realities that we're talking about here, not something that we talk about in church all of the time. But understand, this is the everyday reality for women and girls. It's what they're creator sees every single day and it is breaking his heart and so breaking our hearts as well so if we're going to move in and make a difference for them we have to shine a light on this horrible evil in our day women and girls are facing an unthinkable violence a genocide unequaled in all of human history creating a shortage of girls and driving human trafficking in places least reached with the gospel. Uh, within the next decade, we anticipate that there will be about 30 million Chinese men who do not have women in their country to marry. And so that 
presses them toward getting girls from neighboring impoverished communities like uh, Nepal, Myanmar, and India. This uh, violence across these places kills or disables more women and girls between the ages of 15 and 44 than cancer, malaria, traffic accidents, and war combined. Those girls who survive the early years are often kept out of school to work, marry, or be sold. A human trafficking, modern-day slavery, is out there in front, as we hear on the news and on television and so many reports. And yet, for most girls, it is the end of the line of a lifetime of abuse and disdain. This is a spiritual battle that erupts into the everyday lives of the world's most vulnerable image bearers. I believe that every generation has its Goliath, and this is our Goliath to face. We may feel very small. We may feel that he is overwhelmingly large. But in fact, whenever this kind of evil arises for a generation, God is already there, and he's inviting us to take courage and join him in this battle. So in fact, though we start out with the bad news, we have so much to celebrate from our 15-year partnership in the gospel because of what God has done. What a privilege it has been over all of these years to watch our little five smooth stones, or if you will, our uh, little loaves and fishes brought together and multiply and mean new life for women and girls and families. I wanted to introduce you to Mina, a girl named Mina. She was one miserable girl. She was orphaned very young, and uh, she was taken on by a slaveholder in her community. And every day she was breaking rocks with a hammer to make gravel. Other children would walk long distances and go to school, mostly the boys, uh, but Mina would cry. She was so frustrated with her life. Um, People would just walk by Mina in the community. There were other girls who were slaves as well, and they just figured, well, you know, at least she has something to do every day. And uh, this is just what it's like for girls like this. And so... We began working together with local women in her community to see what we could do to release women and girls from the grip of evil that they were suffering under. Well, God met us there. Uh, Girls like Mina are destined for a life of ministry without interveners. And so God raises them up, not only you know, the staff of She is Safe, but those local women with whom we partner. We start by encouraging the women. You know, God created uh, men, women, boys, and girls and gave them as a gift to this world so that they could make their contribution, they could know him, be full of his spirit. That's God's plan. And when we're not participating with that, there's terrible fallout. There's poverty on so many levels. And so the women we began to talk to in Mina's village began to get really excited. They began to imagine 
that things could be different for them. And so when they joined our, started joining our program, um, they started learning literacy skills. None of those women had been in school before. So they were excited. They had to join our program by signing on with a thumbprint. And uh, we were um, so encouraged that so many women wanted to join in. So they meet every week in a group of about 20 women. Uh, they learn how to um, count money as well and to save money. We help them to save up their own little account, and then the women will become each other's loan officers. They were learning every week as they prayed together with a local woman that we had trained and a Christian woman who was sharing the gospel with them and helping them understand the devastating effects of child marriage or of withholding food from a little girl or, of course, selling her. So they began to get, you know, really informed and started to band together. And they said, you know, we need to talk to the men in our village. We, we want them to understand and our sons to understand that girls must not be mistreated this way. It's a new day for girls. And so they encouraged the men to donate land, bake bricks, and build a school in their own community. And then the women became the educational committee. They started going to each home and saying, now it's a new day for girls. We had this new school. We want for you to be sure that your girls go to school as well as your boys. And most families did, but these slaveholders were not letting the girls go. And so the women who in the past had walked right by Mina went to her slaveholder every morning of school and told him, you know, this is a new day. By the way, it's illegal to hold slaves in almost every country of the world. Mina needs to be in school. And though he did not care about Mina's ministry, misery, he cared when that many women showed up at his front door every single morning. It was just a matter of time. You know, these women did not have authority. They didn't have any weapons. They didn't have any muscle, but together they could do collective good by shining a light on what was God's heart for Mina. And of course, it was just a matter of time. And he released Mina to go to school. You know, within a few short months, Mina tested higher on the standardized tests than any other girl in her district, any other child in her district, and won a scholarship all the way through college from the Indian government. Mina also became something of a soccer star for her area. How poor that community would have been if people continued to walk by her in her misery. But instead, now the women were awakened to do not only for themselves and for their own daughters, but for all the women and girls in their community. So these were unlikely heroines. And it started a whole momentum in that community. So now all of the girls are able to go to school. The one woman who was the real champion, the, the leader of the groups there in that community, had been sold for a case of beer when she was a little girl, about five or six years old. And uh, so I met her, and I met her husband. She had a couple of daughters, and I asked her husband, uh, tell me, what are you going to do if somebody comes to you and 
offers you a lot of money for one of your daughters in marriage. It's sort of a bride price thing. And uh, he just said, oh, we, we don't allow that here anymore. Now that's pretty exciting. When people who used to participate in this kind of abuse and exploitation have a total change of mind and heart. And of course, the gospel is flourishing in their village. That's the exciting work that you have been a part of all of these years. Well, I wanted to introduce you to some other girls as well so that you could get just a little more of a picture of what's happening. You know, there in North India, there are brothels the size of a city. We are talking about 30,000 sex workers in one community alone. And the average age when a girl begins there is 11 years old. She will survive only seven years, die of STDs, uh, die in childbirth or suicide, some other horrible way. And so there's a big turnover. There aren't enough girls for these brothel communities, which are, it's a legal business if the girls are 18, but these are very, very young girls. And so those traffickers go to surrounding villages, areas where they know the families are probably a little backwards. They don't send their daughters to school. They don't know much about um, human trafficking and how to ward it off. So those are what we call high-risk villages. In the United States, the degree of risk, we know that there's human trafficking in virtually every community in the United States. A recent study showed that the degree of risk here is about a 0.001%. Uh, so um, there are criminals everywhere and they exploit the most vulnerable among us. Uh, children, kids who are runaways, people who think that they're going to get a good job maybe are exploited in the United States. And yet the girls that are pictured here these girls, um, 100% likely to be sold because they live in a trafficker's village. Well, we wondered when we began sharing this information with God's people all over the United States, we wondered, would God's people care? Would God's people care about someone who's so very remote from their lives and want to move in and make a difference for them? Well, Calvary Church did right from the beginning. I was so excited uh, to meet Liz Gold and the global outreach team at a Advancing Missions Commitment, ACMC conference in Atlanta, Georgia in about the year 2000. From that meeting... We just had the clay of She is Safe forming, and it was Calvary Church that was the first church that really adopted us, brought us into the family, and began praying us and encouraging us every step along the way. So thank you, and thank you again for all that you have done. We also began raising awareness across the United States, and at that time, it was quite a task. Uh, there weren't the studies out there about global human trafficking. We didn't even use those terms. We, I used to call it girl selling. I didn't know what else to call it. And now we know it's modern-day slavery, global human trafficking. We knew, too, that there was a spiritual connection 
that the reason people could so abuse and exploit such vulnerable girls and women was because they had a godless view, that they needed Christ to enter their communities. So trying to tie those together in churches and in the minds of believers, that we of all people need to be out front there with the light of the gospel and in compassion bring practical pathways to a whole new future for women and girls. Well, you've been with us all the way among the least reached in these hardest places of the world, these high-risk communities. So you have had your footprints wherever we or any of our staff or our co-workers have gone. We've been seeking all along God's heart to understand what are the root causes of this kind of abuse and slavery. We didn't want to just dance on the surface and run around, you know, just doing what we could. We wanted to understand and get the mind of Christ so that we could create a Christ-centered future, not only for the women and girls today, but for women and girls and men and boys going forward. Well, Daniel, um, my husband, who's here with me, you could do a little wave there in the front. Daniel um, left a paid position to join me on staff about, it was almost 13 years ago, and began to serve as our uh, executive vice president for international ministries. And he brought his brilliant mind, his cross-cultural partnership, his heart for Christ to create holistic, replicable, um, powerfully transformative programs for women, girls, communities, and families, and raise up a young generation, younger generation of those who could carry on the work. Um, from the, what we had learned as missionaries on the field about partnering with Christ and his church in these hardest places, we began to see, oh, that's a beautiful way forward. Because you see where these girls are, there are local Christians there. They understand the language. They have a passion to plant churches there. And we can partner together with them. And so... That began the trek with Calvary Church at our side, the Lord Jesus Christ out in front, and these wonderful co-workers. In the last five years, we need to talk about what God has done. We have seen 18,773 people take steps of faith toward Christ in one year. We have seen... Thank you, Lord. 4,325 women in these transformation groups being transformed in every way that a human being can possibly be transformed. We've seen 7,726 children and teens now on a pathway to a safer, stronger future, and 68,000 children who have received our 10 tips to safety and prevention training and those lovely little pencil pouches that you all are making, along with pantaloons. Now, not everybody knows what pantaloons are, I understand. They are like Bermuda shorts with a ruffle at the knee. And when a little girl puts those on, those would-be abusers in her community realize, oh, this girl has been through that training. She has that hotline for help. 
I see that ruffle, I'm staying away. So you have helped that many children not only stay away, but we're training little boys. It's important for every one of us, we tell them, to understand tip number one, every person's body is a sacred gift from God, and we need to look out for each other. So instead of boys going with the culture and saying, oh, I can abuse any girl I want, they are hearing for the first time, I need to be a protector of vulnerable people. And isn't that the God-given desire of every godly man is that they would protect and not harm? We're so excited with what God has opened up, particularly in Muslim communities, for us to share the gospel in public schools and pray over these children and give them the safety that they need. Thank you for participating this week with those pencil pouches. You may think, oh, it's just a couple of pins and pencils. What can that possibly do? It has opened up the doorway in a place that before now was closed. It was taboo to talk about these topics there. Well, these girls that I'm showing you, uh, this picture was snapped just about a month ago. We were there after uh, several years, about four years, of going into this trafficker's village along with our local partners, letting them know yeah, this is a new day, especially gathering the women together. And they really lean into this message that they were created by God, that their daughters were given as a gift to the village. And maybe the reason there's so much poverty is they're selling away the future that God gave for them. How much better to keep your daughters there, give them good food just like the boys, help them to get an education, and we will work with your family on generating income another way as long as you participate with us. Now, maybe out of 500 families, only 100 will say, okay, we will do that. We'll, we'll work with you. We won't sell our daughters because that's a deal breaker. We won't participate with you while you're selling your girls. But, so you have to pledge. You also have to pledge that when your goats um, begin to grow their herd, that you will give back into give goats back into the program so other people can have their opportunity. Well, this has been going on for a number of years, and while we were there, it was Women's History Month. Y'all know about Women's History Month? Probably not too much because often the feminists have taken over um, special months like that with a very hostile message. And what we're saying is, oh my goodness, God has had a history with women and girls, and he loves them. Jesus Christ lifts women and girls wherever he goes. We want to give that message out. So we ask the girls, what do you want to say on Women's History Month? And they put their hands out and said, no more trafficking. No more selling us as children. No more making us become a bride to someone who's twice or three times as old as we are. So already they're beginning to totally change the mindset uh, themselves, which is the most exciting, most important thing that we can do is help people shift their mind from a godless mindset toward God, toward Christ, and his way forward for them. Well, I could tell you so much more about the girls in the Nuakot district 
uh, tell you so much about God's intervening love after uh, these 15 years, about the cast-off girls who have been redeemed, about the red-light district girls in India and Indonesia, about the wonderful, courageous, sacrificial women of South Sudan, the best thing that's going on in South Sudan while bullets are flying and people are being killed both from government forces and from uh, insurgents and terrorists. These women are banding together and they're taking in other women and children into their own homes feeding them and giving them a way forward and letting them know this is a new day. We'll just hang on through all this mess and we will share the gospel with everyone who comes in. Uh, God is using even the most difficult circumstances to bring people to himself or those precious girls in the garbage slums of Myanmar where traffickers from China are looking for girls and they know these are where vulnerable families are and they can take those girls, abduct them, or talk to their families and really lie to them and tell them, uh, your daughter's going to get a good job in China or I'm going to make her a very good marriage. I, I could tell you so much more about the little brothel girls born to teen sex workers in India and now in a safe place, learning about Christ, uh, singing about his love for them and praying for their moms. Opportunities before us just continue to explode with our long-term partnerships in some of the hardest places in, uh, throughout Asia. We are going from the villages of India, replicating into Indonesia, to northern Sumatra, Bali, Borneo, and beyond. I just always wanted to say that. Um, <laughs> Bali, Borneo, and beyond. Uh, so we are dreaming now. What about, Lord, the next 15 years? What is it that you want to accomplish by your grace? And I could imagine that we could see twice as many beneficiaries every single year uh, without changing a whole lot just because we know what these low-cost interventions can mean, how powerfully the gospel works. You know, that faith the size of a mustard seed, I always like to pretend like it's like nitroglycerin. We introduce that into a community and everything begins to just explode and beautiful growth well, if Goliath is going to fall, we are going to have to shine more light. If we can shine 100% more light on these women and girls in least-reached countries, we will see transformations like we could only dream of. If there were 100% more stars in the sky, why well, it'd almost be daylight. Isn't that what we're hoping for? Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Uh, make everything light, everything new as it should be. Thank you, my Calvary friends, the true stars of freedom for these women and girls, for all that you have done, the light that you have shined in the darkest places. In the name of the Lord Jesus, God bless you. Our theme verse for this week has come from 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, which says this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love 
one another. As a dad with two daughters, as I hear Michelle share, um, my heart breaks and yet bursts with optimism that we can make a difference in, in girls' lives that we may never meet, but are precious and known by God. If we receive God's love, then we can love one another. And sometimes that one another can feel a little overwhelming with Seven billion people in the world, and as we've even heard Brian say, three billion who don't know Jesus. Like, where do we start? This is why I love the local church. Because one of us can support one, and that's great, and many of us are doing that, and I love that. But better together. Have you heard that before? (laughs) Better together as we combine our finances here at Calvary together we combine programs and partnerships like with She is Safe, God can use us in some really powerful and amazing ways. Not again for our name, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you, take out your bulletin, we referred to it earlier, and pull out a couple of cards. You have your Easter card in there, don't forget that. But you also have a commitment card that looks like this. As well as a faith promise card. If you could pull both those out and just hold them in your hands for a moment. We have the privilege to support individual missionaries like the Smiths. We have the privilege to support partnership nonprofits like She is Safe. You heard last week we have the privilege to support a sister church in, in Luznia, Albania. In fact, I just want to just highlight just for a moment, we have Mimosa Diversi here today. Mimosa, can you just stand up for a moment? This is Mimosa Diversi. She is one of my heroes. Her husband, Vladimir, translated the Old Testament into Albanian. And just two weeks ago, due to his work, and he's gone on to glory, he's with Jesus. uh, Because of their work, Albanian pastors were presented two weeks ago with a Ryrie study Bible in their native tongue. Isn't that cool? Thank you, Mimosa. So these are the type of things we get to be involved in. Let's keep it up. So take this faith promise card. This would be above and beyond what you normally give towards your Calvary tithe. Say, by faith, Lord, provide. I'm going to put a number down on this card and trust uh, that you'll meet that financial number. So I encourage you, and we take the offering in a moment, you can fill this out and you can drop it in the offering. You can also take this home, pray over it this week, and then ask the Lord to give you a number and you can bring it back next week. This is one of the ways we give here at Calvary. You can also give online, calvarylife.org, as well as even just dropping in um, into the offering as we pass it each week. But encourage you to, to take part in our Faith Promise program. And then you have your commitment card here. We have our commitment card. Just some challenges to take a next step. You know, we're not here like a movie theater. This isn't you just come to a nice place and you watch something, you clap, and you leave and you go to your next thing. No. This is a sending place. When you come here on a Sunday morning, you should be expectant that God wants to move in your life, change you from the inside out, and then send each of us on mission. And so this commitment card is a step towards getting on mission. And so I encourage you uh, to check off some boxes that apply to you. And then before we leave here today, you'll see on the back walls we have 
listings of countries and then particular people groups who do not have the good news of Jesus available to them. would encourage you to pick one of those places to pray for in this coming season. And then as you head out into the lobby as well, we'll have several of our Calvary missionary partners there. We'd love for you to interact with them. Tell them you're praying for them. Get to know them a bit more. We also have, Michelle mentioned, the pencil pouches and project for pantaloons. (laughs) I'll stop there. (laughs) Last week we were so blown away, 400 of you took a pencil pouch. If you forgot to bring it back today, no problem. We'll take them next couple weeks as well. But we madly scrambled and ordered more this week, and they came in on Friday. So we have more pencil pouches for you to take, to fill up during the week, and you can bring that back uh, next week. You can visit Michelle's table as well, grab one of her books, interact with her. I guess my point is, it doesn't stop here, church. Amen? Amen. We're called to live on mission. So let me pray for our offering and commit our lives once again to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, uh, our hearts are softened through singing praises to you, communicating truths to you, hearing of the work that you so care about in such vulnerable places around the world. Thank you, God, for allowing us, ordinary people, to surrender to you, an extraordinary God, and then see fruit around the world. Continue to use us, God. We don't want to just rest on 15 years of partnership with She is Safe and say thank you. God, pray that you would rise up new givers, new prayers, new goers. And that those of us that have already committed would continue to be faithful by the power of your Holy Spirit. This is our prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.